0: We are recording at the rectory, just next to the church mm-hmm. in Spittacles. Mm-hmm. I'm with my co-host, Rosemary.
1: Hello.
0: <laughs> um, how are you doing Sarah? Rosemary? I'm
1: well, thanks. How are you? Good, I'm good. well too. Yeah,
0: yeah, good. We've got our lovely cups of tea made for us by Jack and Simon. We just popped down with them. Mm-hmm. So
1: with we've got
0: some great treats and mm-hmm. stuff. It's going to be a great session. Yeah. And today our guest on the podcast is Kelsey. Oh,
2: hello.
0: So Kelsey, how long have you been a uh, part of Christchurch?
2: We have been just over a year. It's been good. Yeah. It's been um, quite instrumental in our move over from South Mm. Africa because it's given us a bit of a community, a little bit of grounding, which is good.
0: And you're on this podcast because you're a creator in some way. And uh, so tell us a little bit about the types of creativity that you engage in or enjoy doing, whether that's professionally or for fun or that kind of thing.
2: Um, So professionally, I am an interior architect, which means that I am creating spaces for people on a daily basis. I do love that. I love that there's a lot of different aspects to the process. So there's the like workplace strategy piece where we're meeting with people and understanding how their business works and like how people work and what they want from their space and then translating that into space. And then obviously the creative side, which is all the um, like renders and materiality and creating the actual 3D visualizations for our clients to be able to understand space. And then the construction side of it, which is tech. Like technical documentation and then actually going onto sites and watching everything be built, which I can't actually say I love any part more <laughs> than the other because yeah. I love all of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and usually in our industry, you are either technical or you're creative, but I am both. Mm. So I don't choose. I like to be part of mm. all of the process. So I come from what we call a trad background, which is traditional. Um, and now I work for a design and build company, which means we do everything. So yeah. And in my non-professional life, I was a dancer before I moved over. And I would like to get back into that. Mm-hmm. To find out really.
0: What kind of dance did you do?
2: So I did modern LA jazz just before I came over, mm-hmm. but I did ballet from the age of three to sixteen. Mm. I did Latin Ballroom, hip-hop, contemporary, quite a few. Mm. Mm just love dancing, so yeah. I tried all of them. But um, I think I contemporary and ballet are my favourite. How did you get into your line of work? Were you always interested in spaces or interiors? Or... I actually had we had a project when we were like 12 at school, which was like make a mood board about what you'd want to do when you're yeah. bigger, you know, typical school things. And um, my friend's mom was an interior designer, and I just thought, oh, this would be so cool. So I spent the day with her, like, looking at textiles and materials and then put this whole board together. And from that day, I was just like, this is what I want to do.
1: Mm.
2: Obviously, being 12, I didn't understand what it would actually yeah. entail. But I just loved, like, just like the materiality of it. That's, like, mm. my favorite part, choosing mm. all the textures and the fabrics and the color and then putting them together. Yeah. Mm. But it is a little bit different because, obviously, you can be an interior decorator. It's a little bit different because um, I think we do a lot more on like the technical side. Mm.
0: But is there parts of your current job today that align with your dream of what it was like when you were 12?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I think it is that, um, for instance, now we've got a new project and I've spent I spent the whole of Thursday just like ordering new samples, different floor mm-hmm. finishes, curtains, you know, everything. And then you have to put it all together in like a palette for the client yeah. to come over and talk them through sort of get sign off and I love that I love that like tactile part of it of them like looking through all the things and touching and feeling I think that was what I what I liked when I was 12 and I still do that so
0: yeah, yeah. that's really nice yeah and I love that as well that it was it was your friend's mum who was kind of inspired you and stuff and I think that's really mm-hmm. true about a lot of us a lot that creativity it's often really I think it's really important for us to have people to look up to and inspire us mm-hmm. and in a way kind of shape and mentor us and I think. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of us, I mean, definitely for me, there's definitely been people in my life that have kind of shaped the kinds of creativity mm-hmm. and the kinds of things I do just through just through interest in what I'm doing when I'm younger, but also just looking up to them, but like, oh, I want to do that, I want to do a bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, yeah, just really important to acknowledge. I mean, it, it sound, might be like a little bit cliche, just about oh, role model or whatever, but mm-hmm. like, I think it's true. It's really important, I think, for us today as well to think about when we're practicing our creativity. Um, in different areas and stuff but also we can inspire other people and it's not even just like the next generation we can inspire our peers and our friends and stuff yeah um, for sure yeah Mm. to do that so I think that's really cool
1: I like the idea of um, building community as well Mm. and doing things like quite collaboratively I know when we've spoken before about your work and you've talked about like the office and different colleagues I don't know how much that uh, is part of the work on a day-to-day or is it quite individual
2: um no so it depends on the project structure, so depending on the team size. Yeah. But usually it would be like the visualizer, myself, um, some of the construction team, some of our juniors. So it ends up being a collaborative team, and it's quite nice because you learn from their skills as well. So I learn from build, build learns from design, juniors learn from seniors, etc. Mm. I'm always wowed by the visualizers. They are exceptionally good at their jobs. Mm. And it's a, it's a key part of our job because like more and more we see that clients a can't read a plan which baffles me but they just can't Mm. like two-dimensional two-dimensionally and so they just need that like visualization to understand what you're trying to say and that's a key part I think and then these guys just like bring it to life and it's like something that's out of your head and on a piece of paper comes into reality and it's really cool Mm. they're just really good at their jobs it's good to work with them
0: Yeah, I like that, what you're saying about, like, the visualization, because that, yeah, that just really sits with me, because I just love the idea of, like, imagining something that's going to happen into the future, imagining and envisioning something. I think that's a really big part of our role as creators, is to head to a future, or to be able to see something, like, you look at a space, and you envision what that space could look like, and what could fill that space and what a space could become. Basically. I think
2: it's quite gratifying as well when you see the final space mm. and you look at what you had as a concept and it actually comes to like fruition at the end and it's an actual space that people are using. It's quite insane. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, because it's quite weighty to think that if you're designing a space for people to use every day and you do it wrong, yeah. like think about you going to the office and it's a really terrible office and it affects your whole day. Yeah. You don't want to be in that space. So sometimes it's a bit of, feel a little bit of pressure when yeah. I'm like, this is a space that's supposed to inspire people and like drive them to do their jobs well. So if we don't do our jobs well, it's going to be such a bummer for them mm-hmm. to come into the office and be like, well, oh, this space is awful. But then when you do create a space and people walk in and they're like, wow, we love the space. It's changed like how we work or it's made our day better or, you know, it's really like quite gratifying. Mm-hmm very cool that it leaps off a page almost into three dimension Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges are there things that kind of become obstacles (laughs) so I think with everything in design I don't know I'm sure it's true for art graphic design everything I mean sometimes I wonder why the clients hire us because sometimes they have such strong ideas Mm -hmm. and it's like you're just there to like do what they want and it's not the best thing for them but you just have to do it so you do get some of those projects where you think to yourself oh my gosh this is not what I would want to do but you do it anyway what has been challenging and I think COVID has helped is trying to change people's perceptions of how we should work and ways we should work people are coming around to it now because I think COVID showed everyone you can work from anywhere where there used to be this very traditional everyone had offices hierarchical people at the top people at the bottom Now it's like quite a fluid dynamic. You have people working in all different types of spaces and it's like educating people on that is quite hard, Mm. especially when you've got industries like lawyers or insurance or who are holding on dearly Mm. to their hierarchy. So that's quite challenging. And I think budget constraints are always challenging. Mm. It's a reality. I mean... It is what it is these days, you know, what do they say, cost of living crisis. But that's a good challenge because it pushes you to think out of the box a little bit, you know. So if you don't suddenly, if you have a massive budget, you can just do what you've always done because you can afford it. Suddenly, when you don't have the money, you've got to think of smart ways to get like the wow factor without spending all the money. Yeah. Um, And that's the best for me because it pushes you out of the box, but also teaches you a lot, something you may not have done before. yeah yeah, it's a
1: challenge but it's good I I really like that because I I think that's often really important when you're making things sometimes if things are unlimited that Mm. is itself a bit constraining and a bit stifling but if you've got these sort of boundary lines if you like it does I think in some ways enhance creativity it gives you that um, almost like a direction because you've got these constraints you have to work within so it shapes the work Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily something that that, um, limits.
0: Yeah, I think definitely like structure and some limitation actually really helps our creativity and really helps whatever we're working on to push it to be better. I think often there's this, I think it's probably a myth really that to to, to produce our best work or to be be able to be fully creative with no restrictions, unlimited budget or whatever to do something. Mm. And actually, I think that's kind of not true. It's like actually Mm. where we produce our best work is when we are limited than when there is certain things we've got to take and requirements and there is a lot of structure around what we're trying to do and it forces us to funnel them to to get raise all the bits that we don't need that aren't so good and to really focus a lot more on our project i think it always produces better work yes. when there's some limitation which i think is actually really encouraging because yes. often um yeah i think for a lot of us whenever we're working on a project or something there's always limitations there's always things and sometimes they can be really frustrating yeah in yeah. the moment but i think it's good to remember that those are the things that are ultimately going to force your project to be something better. So. Yes. Yeah.
1: And even time as a limitation can be really yeah. freeing, <laughs> having that
2: deadline it sometimes. Really helps. Yeah. Yeah. very clarifying yeah. and illuminating yeah. because you can't like keep wondering if well, you could yes. do more, yeah. or you could change it. You just have to get have it done. To do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. I um, work better under pressure as well, I've noted. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um, yeah.
0: And what about in terms of like your faith? Does that does that interact with your professional work at all? Um, do you do you find that there's some co- correlation with how they interact with each other?
2: Um, I definitely do think so. I think one of the most challenging things for me, and it's probably less so in some other creative industries, but I. I work for a company that's owned by a very big company that is very much corporate. And that is a frustration sometimes being in a creative industry to fall in line to that like corporate sort of, because I didn't want to be in corporate. That's why I'm in creative. The downside of being in this like big corporate thing is that, you know, everyone's in the race to be at the top. And I think as a Christian, it's quite difficult to be in that environment where everyone is like willing to stand on everybody else to get to where they need to go and um not get sucked into that don't get me wrong I still think that what we do on a daily and like the gifts that we have and the talents that God has given us we need to use them to like the best we can so when I'm doing my work and I'm doing it well it's not only for myself it's because you know those are the talents I've been given and you want to do it to glorify God but it's quite easy to be sucked into that like rat race of trying to be better trying to have this title trying to and I find that quite um tricky sometimes and as a Christian being in an environment where say a lot of my colleagues aren't it's like how how are we different like what kind of example am I setting to my colleagues on a daily and my team members that you know showcases Christ and the life that I'm trying to live and not the opposite I guess is there any
1: pushback to that? Do you find, I don't know, would colleagues comment on it or would, it does sound like it's quite a strong idea about fighting to be on top, do you know? And that's quite a push for the people.
2: Yeah. they won't comment on it per se. It's just I have to check myself because, I mean, I'm very, very open about the fact that I'm Christian and, like, they know that on a Wednesday night I'm going to – I have cell group and whatever, so that's fine. I just think it's just the way – that I conduct myself. I've got to check myself sometimes. I've got to be better. I know that sounds terrible, <laughs> no, but it's the way you love your colleagues, the way you support them, the way you speak to them, like the way you interact with people just has to be different. Yeah. But they wouldn't really say anything about it. it feels
1: like it offers... an alternative way of being at work Mm. Um, and you know what you're saying about showcasing like just kind of maps out a different prioritizing at work exactly
2: what I prioritize and what I find important in my life is not the same as the next person who for instance isn't a Christian and being the best and getting the best salary and all the bonuses or whatever that might be their end goal in life do you know what I mean may not be for other people.
0: Obviously for a lot of people that's their end goal as you say and in a way that's probably like their version of success and what that success looks like. So like what does success look like for you and in in like your career and work?
2: It is a tricky one. Like I want to do well. It's not to say that I don't want to do well in my job because I'm passionate about it and I love it. But I just, yeah, it is, it's a different version of success. Like I, I don't measure myself by my title or where I end up. It's not to say that would be a bad thing, because maybe ending up in a position of leadership would be a good thing mm. if you have different sort of values, etc. There's
1: ways of being, you know, highly ambitious for work as well. That yeah. that's that's creativity
0: yeah.
1: as well, isn't it? Kind of pushing well, higher yeah. highest, wanting to um, Wanting to go produce further. the further. Yes. Yeah, the best of yeah. you can do. I
0: yeah, think. yeah. I think that, and that's and I think that's actually what God calls us to. God does call us to. To produce our best work, to give our yeah. best work for him and stuff. And I think often, as you say, there's nothing wrong with working your way up to a position of leadership or mm. something, because ultimately, like, that's, you know, God can use that and God wants that. He wants people, um, across the whole spectrum of the, of the industry and things like that, doesn't he? So exactly. I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, yeah, I think it's more about kind of, it's probably to be more to do with like motivations for getting it. And once you're there,
2: what do you do, with, you do with that?
0: Because exactly. once you get to that position of leadership, what do you do with those responsibilities that you have and the power that you have?
1: And the sense of identity within it, isn't yeah. it? Because I think so often that's the driving force behind wanting more resource. So kind I of think... Feeling like you're a better person, or
2: better compared to other people. And I suppose that's different. It's usually like, you know, when you meet someone new, you'd be like... Tell me about yourself." And they would lead with saying like, I'm a doctor or I'm mm. a... Because they find identity mm. in what they do. Yeah, It's not a bad thing. It's great that you're a doctor or whatever you do. Interior architect for myself. Yeah. But I don't want to be defined by the fact that mm. I'm an interior architect. Mm-hmm. It's not who I am wholly. Yeah. Yeah. But it is that. It's like somebody mm. wants to say like, I'm, I'm the creative director or I'm mm. the... It's not a bad thing. It's yeah. just as you say it's yeah. like what do you, where do you find your identity and I think for us it's mm. a little bit different
0: um, how would you like to describe your identity if people ask you the question what do you do or tell us about yourself like I'm saying I'm an interior architect is there something else that you would ideally like to say instead
2: I don't think I can describe myself very
0: okay yeah.
2: I wouldn't want to what I'm saying is I wouldn't want to encapsulate myself by like one thing yeah so I mean I'm a wife yeah. I'm a daughter, I'm a dancer, I'm a whatever it is, child of God. Uh, I am an interior architect, but I'm yeah. a lot of yeah. things, not yeah. just that yeah. one thing. And all those things are important to me. Family, creativity, all those things. Mm. And they all have a part to play in your life, I guess. So like those other parts of your life drive, say, my creativity. So a lot of those other things that are important to me, church, family, friends... They also feed into your creativity and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So they're all important. Mm. I think that's why I don't want to be defined by yeah. mm. being an interior architect and that's it. That's really interesting, isn't it? The way that
1: the idea about it all yeah. feeding, because it makes me think about how broad the raw materials are when we're Absolutely. making. Yeah. And I do think that's what it's like for so many of us. It comes from so many aspects. And mm. I think
0: again, like we were saying about collaboration, it's important to value that that is part of our process and part of our collaborative process and And in a way, I think it's important to acknowledge that we have all these other relationships and these other parts of our self-identity, and they Mm. are all contributing towards our creativity. Our creativity isn't this separate, isolated part Mm. of ourselves, but it's just something that is fueled. and, and, And I think we can, you know, let go into all different aspects of our lives. And I like to think of, you know, at least for my creativity, I like to think of something that's kind of just very transient between the different parts of my life. It's not just it's quite separate little thing that i go and do at work or whatever and
2: yeah i think exactly.
0: it's nice to think that it, you know and it's something that we can bring into lots of different aspects of our lives i think it's really cool
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that also makes me just think about kind of like where we source our inspiration from we've got these different things that feed into our creativity so in review where do you go when you're i mean because we've all been there where we're stuck on something we've got a deadline come in we need some fresh ideas. We need something new. It's like, what do you do in those moments? What where do you turn mm. to to get new ideas? Is it just, yeah, what's your process and that? Do you just stick at it and keep going or?
2: I do both. So sometimes I just push through because I have to. Maybe it's time sensitive and I don't mm. have time to sort of, you know. Sometimes I just take a break, like change of scenery. So I go for a run, change my whole perspective mm. or my scenery just to get a different perspective or talk to somebody. So sometimes, and this is a stupid example, if we're space planning, I mean, if you're looking at something for too long, you just don't see some things. And just to turn to another colleague who has fresh eyes and say, what do you see here? And then they'll be like, oh, what about this? And you're like, oh, my gosh, never saw that. Mm. Just because I've been looking at it for so long that that's all I see. And I think that's very helpful. It's always good to get like different perspectives on things many eyes on it yeah I think there's science behind that as well like when you're working consciously
1: on something and then you take a break your mind continues to almost like find the solution to the thing so your unconscious kind of kicks in and gives you new So exactly the thing about going for a run so you're bringing in like movement so you're disengaging in a way but your brain keeps churning and then Mm. new ideas can come into that so sometimes it can feel counterintuitive, taking a break or yeah. resting, but actually good things happen but actually, in that. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. I guess in a way it's like we should say that that is part of the process. That is yeah. not There is obviously a difference between work and rest or something. When we're resting, we are also in a way kind of that is helping us to travel to our work. It's not like we shouldn't feel guilty about having that rest because mm. it is helping us on our work yeah, or whatever sure. we're working on.
2: And sometimes I find because we're so computer-based as well, I mean, everything's sort of moving towards technology and away from the traditional like hand mm. sketching, etc., which is quite sad. Sometimes you just, I just switch it up. So I take like, a pen and a paper and like, draw instead and sketch and use color or something that's not digital,
1: mm.
2: just to like, use some other sort of creativity because you're staring at a screen all day. And is that something that I suppose across your career, have you seen the technology
1: change? Has that had an impact? Definitely. Yeah,
2: I think technology is always evolving, and it will always drive, especially our industry. There's so much that you can do now that we couldn't do in the beginning. Like, for instance, like with the Matterport scanning, it's like a life changer. So I don't know. Do you know what that is? I don't know (laughs) what that is. That sounds amazing. It's a life changer. (laughs) um, We've got this camera that scans buildings for us. Oh. So we don't have to go in and survey or do like physical oh, wow. survey or wow. dimension a, uh, checks. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I can go into a building and the camera's so good now that you can go up to nine meters away. Mm. So you just it does like a full 360 mm. and you check it on the iPad and then I can send it away and they build a 3D model for me. And then I get to work into it. So it's really fast. It's like one week and I've got a whole building. Wow.
1: wow.
2: Um, <laughs> and then, post, for instance, I did a, a project in Dubai and I couldn't be there. So they would scan the building every week and I could walk through it.
1: Mm, that's um, that's so cool.
2: It's very, very cool. And then now the project is finished and they've scanned the whole building. So basically, we can now say to our clients this is a project we've done. You can literally drop into the building and walk through. It's really really cool. Yeah, and then obviously the VR sort of thing comes in. I was in going to say, I thought so, that's so what you I can thought you be yeah. in a space yeah, which cool. they love. Um, I mean, yeah, we've we've got programs developing for. I know it sounds really boring, but like M and E and clash detection, etc., which we would have taken hours to physically do now it's like the program oh it's clashed so if we've got mechanical ducting and lights and whatever they all sit in the same space and so if you've got a structural engineer electrical engineer mechanical engineer whatever all trying to be in the same space Hmm. there's obviously going to be clashes etc and we would have had to coordinate all of their stuff at one point now because it's all 3D model you run it through a program Hmm. and it's highlights all the problems and it prints out a report mm-hmm. and it literally just sends it to everyone so they can fix oh, it. Fantastic. Wow. Which is, it takes so yeah, much yeah. thing away. So great. technology is always running ahead which is mm-hmm. great. But also I mean in terms of sustainability, sustainability is becoming more and more mm. of a key driver yeah. in, in all parts of our yes. lives. And I mean that's we've got carbon tracking now and all sorts of crazy sorts of things. But technology will always play a huge, huge role I mean, they talk about, like, whether the AI will take over design. I don't think it ever will because there's always a human-centric part to oh, it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So now they do have programs that, for instance, can generate, say, I've got a floor plan and I'm like, I put in info, this is how many people, whatever. It spits out, like, 10 test bits in, like, a few minutes. Okay. And the rates of technological advances I think that is speeding up as well mm,
0: yeah
2: but even things like power why spaces can't be so flexible is there's always the things that are fixed so like power I don't know whatever but they're coming up with so much technology now where you can have movable power or you know flexible mm. power obviously Wi-Fi etc that nothing has to be fixed no, no, anymore no, yeah. yeah no limits yeah which is crazy yeah
0: I mean, this is also interesting. Just like what goes into designing space? Yes. A lot of these things I didn't even realize you no. have to be thinking about yeah. and stuff. Why should we, as people, as Christians, like care about the you know design that's mm. going into spaces? I
2: mean, I'm quite passionate about it, so I think I'm a little bit biased. But I just think it affects, even if we don't realize it, it affects our daily lives. Like a space, like I walked into this space and I was like, "This space makes me feel like great. I love mm. it." Whatever. Mm. You walk into like a dark, dingy space and you're a little bit like, ooh. And I don't think people understand how much, whether it be a space outside, a space inside, space can be any type of space, plays into like what we're doing in a positive and negative way. And I think if you have a chance to use it to shape something or help something or uplift something, it's really powerful. And I think that's why it has to be considered because when it isn't, it's really not great. and I think the way that people are moving now in terms of like work and like how things are changing it's quite a powerful tool and I think if we don't I mean it's a bit of a lost opportunity I don't know especially in this country I mean coming from South Africa we don't really have like a lot of heritage buildings because obviously it's a lot younger in, in comparison to England in terms of building and whatever and it's just like protecting that sort of building fabric and that all those sorts of things—it's quite important. If people just don't care about it, it's just lost forever. I think it has a a very big impact in shaping things, mm,
0: definitely
2: in a bigger way. Yeah. Even people's habits, which is interesting.
0: Right.
2: So you can shape people's habits through mm-hmm. space, like subconsciously without them even knowing. I know that sounds really like airy-fairy, but it does happen and you can change people's habits, etc. So it's it's quite an important tool and that's why I think we need to consider it. Say a
1: bit more. Do you mean like with furniture or setting up certain activities? I can't even get into Uh, that. But it's like
2: the organisation of space, uh, the materials, the flow. I mean, as an example, one of my friends is working for the NHS and her job is literally just to design like the flow and the feel of spaces because she was saying for instance if a person comes in that's autistic or neurodivergent Mm. and reacts to the space it can put them off by like 40 minutes to over an hour and the whole process gets thrown in the thing and everyone else ends up waiting like four hours Mm. but if the space is designed well and everything works well and that person has a space etc then the process just flows and everyone sort of benefits and it's things like that that we don't think about because somebody has thought about that and we're mm-hmm. going into a space and it's like, it is what it is. But yeah. somebody has actually thought about where this goes, or why it's there, etc. And down to people's phobias, people don't think about that in a yeah. space. Color, all sorts of claustrophobia, it all comes into play mm-hmm. but nobody really thinks about it because to make it look so simple there was a lot of work behind it yeah. you know yeah that's like good design isn't yeah, it you don't, yeah. you don't notice it, it. You don't, yeah, but yeah. that's it yeah. and if you don't do that yes. it's very noticeable yes, yeah. yeah. do you have a, a dream interior space that you would want to work my dream interior space is illustrated in your children's room they are like so open to any possibility mm-hmm. and such crazy things that yeah. you could do like the most wacky like, off-the-wall spaces, and they would just love it, yes. like yeah. tunnels and turrets and whatever, whatever. And I just think, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. One day. When I stop being in corporate, maybe I'll do that. You get special commissions for it, that sort of thing. And that's the thing, like, <laughs> I feel like some parents would just pay to have yes. these spaces yeah, done yeah. for their kids. Fine.
0: But I think that's also really important, because I like what you are saying about how a space affects our habits yes. and, you know, can have such a big impact on us. I think when you're a child, like that's the period that you're growing, and mm. you'll know from your work that mm. like it's often a period where you know you're developing, and you're going to as a child your experience will impact the rest of your life in mm-hmm. a really significant way. Often, mm-hmm. and so actually, in a way, I think there's a space that we should be focusing on as a society. A lot is the space that children engage yes. in with and using. Yeah, that's going to build their habits for the rest of their life. It's going to have an impact on their future forever. Yeah. so. Yeah, it's actually true. really important yeah it's a fun thing but also i think so like fun. the impact that that will have on people's lives yeah. would be yeah. really significant
1: it's like important fun because like yeah. you say the thing about yeah. children is they don't have those limits they're not going to think about function
2: so much that like yeah. you say it'll be turrets yeah. it'll be this it'll be that yeah that's it sounds exciting funny. Yeah. but it could also be preschool public space yeah. whatever yeah something with children
0: Okay I have one more question. Yeah. You might not have an answer for this. What are your thoughts around a church space? Have you got anything like mm. just from your profession like any insights about like how as a church on the whole not necessarily our church specifically but the church on the whole can like use church spaces in different ways or?
2: It depends on the space. Christchurch is quite monumental. <gasps> yes
0: yeah. It's
2: yeah. it's intense it's beautiful yeah. like it's actually sometimes I'm a, have to pinch myself a little bit it's the same how i feel about walking around london on the Mm. daily sometimes i'm like wow company live in the city but i do think spaces have to work harder these days like they have to have more than one function yeah, that's that's
1: a, that's a good point as well and you what you said earlier about the pandemic and work patterns changing so now we're doing more than one thing in one space you're often living and working and trying to shuffle furniture around or mm. space around depending on activity so like, yeah i can imagine lots of that probably does affect um uh, more spiritual
2: spaces yeah. as well you know, you, you know I think it's just also the viability for space because I mean, cities are congested, right? You can see there's already a thing with people trying to get housing in this city, and financially it's expensive, etc. So, if you have multiple functions, it's like helping sustainability of space, which is important. The worst is when like cities are not being used well, and then spaces are becoming redundant or just left. When there's so much potential, Mm there's a huge thing going on now about like future cities, which I'll actually show you guys someday. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what people are imagining cities of the future are going to look like. And it's quite incredible because we have to. We're not going to have the space to go out. We can't keep going up. So, what do we do? Church space could become quite important in like community space, Mm -hmm. maybe metaphorically, Mm -hmm. breaking down the walls and moving into the community and not just being like a sunday space because as we see they are quite monumental spaces historically
0: i really like that thought about like looking to the cities of the future and how the church spaces can become part of that and how they can be Mm in that way. it's actually really cool so thank you so much Kelsey, for being on the podcast today that was really great things, was there, Rosemary? Yes. Loads of yeah. really useful um, practical stuff for us to take away as well. I'm just super interested to hear all about space and interior architecture and all of that stuff. Thank you so much.
2: No problem. Yes. Thank you.
0: And uh, I'm sure if you see Kelsey around the chat, she'd love to chat to you more about if you've got any questions about interior architecture and space and stuff. Um, but yeah, so that's it for the podcast episode.